how they're going to get, how they're going to hear unless somebody tell them, how somebody going to tell them unless somebody go, how somebody go unless we send them. Beautiful, the feet of them which preach the gospel. We always say, how do you get faith by hearing? That's not true to Romans 10. It's true context, but that thing is telling you that they get their faith for salvation when they hear the gospel. That's what Romans 10 is teaching. Now. What are you saying, Dave? Ezekiel 22:30. God's heavenly will was not to destroy Israel, yet God had to do something that was not His will. Why? Because it was not an intercessor. There was not somebody to stand in the gap. You know what prayer is? Prayer is being God's heavenly will to earth. How do you find out God's heavenly will? How do you think His thoughts through you? Then what do you do? Then you do His heavenly will on earth. You see how it fits? Prayer is the link between the two, God's heavenly will to God's earthly will. What did you just say in the Lord's prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Once you're dead, get saved, Kirk. Get on your knees, brother. And be, the, be the man to stand in the gap. They cost you something. Now, God won't violate Harvey's free will. But God's will is going to get saved. And it scares me to think that somebody might not be getting saved because I don't have the diligence to get on my knees and stand in the gap. What did Jesus say in Ezekiel? He said, if you said, if you son of man, I've set this watchman of the house of Israel. If you warn the man of the judgment to come, then you'll free of his blood. But if the watchman keep his mouth shut, then I'll require his blood at your hand. And I like to say, oh, Old Testament, nation of Israel, doesn't apply to the church. Well, I'd like to say that. You know what Paul says about Acts 18 or 19? He says, back to talking to the Jews in Europe, he says, boys, I am free of the blood of all men. From henceforth I go to the Gentiles. And he wipes the, the, the dirt off his feet and off his sandals like Jesus said, because I'm free of your blood. You're going to hell on your own, I told you. And off he goes to somebody to listen. You can take that thing and try and dispensationally take the responsibility off us, but that verse there in Acts tells us, a man of the church age, that we've got a responsibility, and somebody's blood will be on our hands if we are not the watchman that God wants us to be and warn the people of the, of the impending danger. Peter, I've got a, a video. I've got a video cassette of Peter Ruckman. And I'll get let you guys borrow it. And he makes this point so aptly. You know there's a verse the Bible says, My spirit will not always strive with man. We take that verse says there'll come a time when God will quit calling Harvey to get saved and he can't get saved anymore. And that has truth in it. Ruckman makes the point, and the more I'm about the more I think he's right. I really don't think it's a matter of God stopping the call. 
That verse, if you study that thing, is talking about judgment of sin in the tribulation period. You know what that happens? A man's heart, after a while, waxes so hard that he does not have the capability to respond to God's call anymore. God hardened his heart. After he refused the first four times, five times. But you watch a man. I'll never forget, and he was dead, John told me about a man one time he was in his church I think he said 20 years or so and he said that man sat in his services every Sunday he didn't miss a Sunday anytime unsaved and admitted it and he made the statement to John one time and it all made an impact I never forgot it he said to John he said preacher he said your preaching is sliding he said it used to be and you'd preach I'd squirm and it'd bother me he said you're not preaching as good anymore because your preaching quit bothering me And it's a perfect illustration of a man's heart getting so hard the Holy Spirit of God can't penetrate anymore. Ruckman does a lot to develop that thought. It's a good video. I mean, it's a really thought-provoking. But that happens. A man gets to the place where he cannot. Sin so scars and so destroys that a man gets to the place where it can't be softened. And of course, you've got that illustration taught in the parable where the sower goes out and sows. And you've got different kinds of hearts there, typified by ground in the Bible. And you've got some good ground, and it springs forth and brings forth a hundredfold. And then you've got some rocky ground where there's, where there's not much uh, root, and the sun comes out, and the heat, and the cares of this, or the, the persecution causes the root to die, and it, it dies and doesn't take root. Then you've got some where the weeds, the cares of this life, up and they choke it. Then you've got some where it just sits on top of the ground and the birds of the air come and pluck it away and take it away because there's no place for the thing to take root. You've got different hearts there. So you need to pray, oh God, pile the ground. And you want to know the verse that teaches you about that? I think the greatest verse in the Bible about this thing. Go back, I think it's Proverbs 16. This verse, this verse will change your life if you'll meditate on it. 15, pardon me. Proverbs 15, 13. This verse will change. This verse has had a tremendous impact upon me. Proverbs 15, 13. <clears throat> the Bible says, <clears throat> A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Now watch it. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. You know how God breaks your spirit? Well, the spirit and heart are the same thing. Remember we told you the spirit was what deals toward God and the heart's your reaction to it or tends to be that way? By sorrow of the heart, my reaction to God, then God breaks me, so I respond to him, breaks the spirit. David said in Psalm 51, Lord, if you wanted bullocks and goats, I'd give them to you. He said, but the offerings of God are what? A broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's what God wants. Now you say, I'm here and I'm bound up with the cares of this world. I'm bound up with the problems of this life. I'm bound up with all... Do the Audie Murphy movie, to hell and back with you. Going to grab you by the hair of your head like you did, who was it, old... Uh, who was it? Grab by the hair of the head and took him. But anyway, grab, take, grab by the hair of the head and 
drag you to hell and back if he has to, to break your heart. God will put you through some sorrow. God will put you through some misery. God will put you through some things, my friend, to get your attention. Heart gets hard. Well, see, there's two things. Where's that at? The uh, Bible says there's two ways God gives a man wisdom. Oh, Lord, give me the reference. The proof and correction. That was two ways. Where's that at, Lord? Second, I'll find it. So one of the hang-ups of an impromptu Bible study. Yes, in Proverbs. The Bible says, The wisdom cometh by the rod and reproof. By the rod and reproof. That thing fits up like this. Proverbs chapter 1, huh? Proverbs chapter 1 says, The purpose of this book is that the young man might get wisdom. A Bible definition of wisdom according to 1 Corinthians is Jesus Christ. A Bible definition of wisdom according to the book of Proverbs is the Word of God. Where's that? 15, 15, What's reproof? Okay, but yeah, but if I reprove you, how? Okay, that's that's right. But how would I reprove you? Would I beat you? What would I do? Teach. I talk to you. I teach you. God says, "Okay, boys, this is the right way." So he does. You got a whole book in your lap of reproof. Now you know what? If you can have the spiritual wherewithal that you can read the Bible and change your life, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get wisdom the easy way. But you know what? If you can't get it out of the book, you know what step two is? The rod. That's why the Bible says spare not the rod. Because God knows your kids won't listen to you. And he who refuses instruction despite this Despises his own soul. Should that be departing the heart own heart? Or? Well, heart's the spirit, but what you're doing is you're not doing what's good for you. Second uh, Timothy three, I believe, says, "In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves." The God hates his own soul. Somebody that's against himself. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
rod and reprove your son, especially John. Mm-hmm. Now, when you reprove him, that is when you take him aside, you explain him what he did wrong so that he understands it and he understands what he should have done right. And then right. you take the rod and spank him. Right. Also, that's imparting wisdom to him. That's right. an illustration of how God does What does the Bible say the rod does? It drives what far from him? Foolishness. Foolishness far from him. So here I am. Let's just take me. God's the Father and I'm the Son. God says, Dave, there's, you are to love me with all your heart and keep my commandments. Well, the Bible says, if I don't do that, I'm a fool. Okay? So God's reproved me, but I say no. So what's God do? God takes the rod and he beats me and it drives foolishness far from me. Either break me or I'll submit. You understand? Now sometimes there's, sometimes there's a merging in the middle. Sometimes you are still reproving while you're starting to rot them, starting to correct them, okay? And there's a merge. It's just not a clear definition. But the thing God wants to say is, look, if you can get wisdom by the Word of God and by being taught, and you can change your life without having to go to the woodshed, then that is God's per perfect will for your life. But if that doesn't work, then God takes you to the woodshed. Okay? Now, God will do some talking to you in the woodshed, too. doesn't mean that they're totally separate, but those are the two ways you're going to get wisdom. It's kind of like that thing, you are bought with a price, therefore you will glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You have no choice. You can do it willingly, or you will do it. God will only let you go so far, and then he'll take you totally out. Boom, if he has to. See? So I try to tell my boys, and I try to talk with them, and my boys have a real understanding of what's expected of them. But yet, on the other hand, you can't, you know, you, you, they understand what's right, but what's going to happen, just like every one of us. We rebel. Every time there's a law set down, what's the law do? It brings rebellion. So you rebel against the law, what's going to happen? The boom's got to fall. You know? So what's the Bible say? Spare the rod, you spoil the child. The Bible, the Bible doesn't say that. Spare but the rod. Yeah, you sure. I mean, you're, you're, you're hurting him. Why? What? Now, let's get right back to application. Physical things are pictures of what? Spiritual things. I'm a type of who? As the father. My boy's a type of who? As the son. You and me. So I learn about my relationship with God by watching me and my kids. Okay? Well, watch that. You will learn more watching the family than you will learn any other way place in the world. You know how you know how you learn about your relationship with Christ? Watch you and your wife, or you and your husband. I'm a type of God, a type of Christ. She's a type of the church. She's supposed to submit to me just like I submit to Christ. I'm supposed to love her and give myself for her just like Christ loved me and gave myself for me. By the way, I cannot wait. I'm way ahead of myself. In Osceola, I put together a weekend marriage seminar. And I'm against seminars. Seminars are junk. But I got a weekend. We pack off and go to a hotel for the weekend. And I got some stuff God gave me in the Word of God that it did more to change lives than we ever did in four years down there. That one weekend changed more lives than we ever did. And when you get the 
marriage right, where everything else goes so smooth. And I'm hoping in the spring, us take a weekend, go to Holiday Inn or someplace, and get away and spend some time in the Word of God and work on some marriages. Not that your marriages are bad, but I'll tell you, you talk about changing your life. You talk about happiness in your life when you get your marriage in the right perspective with God. It does things like you've never seen. But anyway, that's off the point. I'm, I'm already fortunate a bit. God's really dealing my heart about that. So anyway. Good, good, good. Thank you, dear Ernest. So anyway, we, uh, but I'm just trying to say, uh, God will teach you by the husband-wife relationship. God will teach you by the father-son, the mother-son, mother-daughter relationship. God will teach you about your relationship with him. Okay? And so forth. So prayer is what? How do we get off on rod and reproof? <laughs> prayer is letting God think his thoughts through you. Prayer is bringing God's heavenly will to earth. Prayer is not sending your petitions before God so you can get what you want. A lot of people on TV today tell you if you'll give to God, God will give you a Cadillac. Mm -hmm. That's as far from the Word of God as, as that's you might as well teach Hinduism, man. That's right. That's right. So prayers, find out what God wants and then letting God use you to bring it to pass. That's what it is. Where it is. Some places, some places, uh, it can't be done. Like God's not going to make somebody get saved. But I'll tell you one thing. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I really believe about. Example: Your dad. If we if we got serious and stood in the gap, your dad couldn't stand himself. God would drive him nuts. God would exert so much pressure upon him that something would have to give. Somewhere. That happens. Could be the relationship. Because my dad, he can't, he won't, uh, he won't talk to me in that vein. He's the man who, by the way, he's not going to talk to me about God. And that's, you know, the first time I realized that, I wrote him a letter saying, you know, without you, I wouldn't know who God is. And, you know, that's shipping up heavyweight just right there. And then after witnessing for maybe two years, I finally got to say, have you ever told him he's going to be going to hell? Because, you know, you, you, you're there thinking how great Jesus is. And I finally just said, uh, have I ever told you that if you don't do this, you're going straight to hell? And, oh, boy, that, Boom. you know, and I, you know, I've done that a million times with other people, but I, I just, I never told him that. That's where it all begins. Subject is closed. Yeah. Was that <laughs> and, right? And, well... God, number one, told me it was closed. My dad, obviously, was closed. And, you know, and he wasn't, it was the whole thing, just like all of us. I mean, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> but God said, you know, now is the time that you lay off, and now I'm in prayer warfare. I'm, yeah. I'm standing in there. He's got the total decision, and there's nothing in there because I'm there to hinder him that from going to God. That must be one of the roughest things to have one of your parents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't mean... Well, uh, he, he knows. Uh, it's just you know, I'm his you, son, you, you, you know. know. I mean, I've never been a dad, but I know that, uh, you know, my son, I, I raised him up good. You know, he's a man who, man, you know the, kind, the type. If they just get born again, they'd be perfect. <laughs> but 
But, uh, you know, he sacrificed and everything, and he didn't like me saying, you know, I remember one time, <laughs> I said, Dad, you take too much credit. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. don't you know God? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know God did it, but I sacrificed, and it's time for me to get this and that, because we weren't believing. Yeah. And, you know, that's hard for me. Yeah, man. Boy, it was so hard to witness. It's hard for me to hear his son hear him say that. Oh, yeah. You know, what do you know? Who do you think you've you always been trying to tell me so? <laughs> But uh, my mom got born again through me. Just it was simple with her. I just said, uh, you know, have you ever asked Jesus in your life? Well, yeah. I mean, well, tell me how, what you did. Of course, it was nothing near it. And so she uh, brought her to Romans 10 and got her born again. And uh, you know, now she's my link. Sure. This is on my mind. Is uh, two days ago. She said, you know, your father doesn't want to tell you because he really has done that and all this. And I go, well, what has he done? And she said, well, he believes Jesus died for our sins and all that. I go, well, that's great. You know, the devils believe that and they ain't saved. She went, I never thought of it that way. I'm making Lord. And she said, well, well, I think I'll pray that with that with you. I go, well, that's all we need. Amen. So, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, and I, this is the only way that I know to do it with God. You know, he ain't got a chance. <laughs> he might as well hit his knees now before God returns because... Yeah, but you, you know you know the, the irony of that thing is if he holds out and doesn't get saved, yeah. think of his judgment when he gets to him for God. Because yeah. here he's got somebody calling the power of heaven down on him. You know, Jesus said, all power is given me in heaven earth. Go ye therefore... Because I've got power. You go, you're calling down the power of heaven on a man, and he holds out and holds out and holds out. Boy, all you're doing is pouring hot coals in his head. That's all you're doing, man. But here again, what do you do? You know, pray God break him. You know, God what you, you know, what do you do? And uh, you, you know, you got to. You, you know, you got to stand in the gap. You got, yeah. You got to stand in the gap. What's, there's what's no, there's no way around. Hell. What's, what's a little more hell? Yeah, hell's hell. I mean, you know, yeah. and. Uh, Got one shot at it, getting him out, you know. And you're never uh, gonna get. You already know this, <laughs> but you're never gonna get hit harder than whenever you do family. Yeah. I've never been hit so hard. I mean, well, because they know you. Well, you know, they know how you grew up. Yeah. They know you, and they know where to hit. Yeah. And they don't mean it. I mean, they, that's their only shot. They're just offended. They just know the world. They go home, <laughs> and you're going. But, but, <laughs> no, they think they that you hate them. They think this and that. I mean, I've been told so many things that just aren't true. But if you look at it from their point of view, it sure does sound like you're telling them what to do. You're condemning them. You're judging them. Yeah. And the first thing he thinks, I changed your diapers. What are you telling me I'm going to hell? Yeah. And, and you know, and that's like, the attitude. What's the? Let them know, like what we just said, how much you learned about God through His love to you. you know, yeah. Well, the one thing God gave me, you know, how you're sitting there and God just throws a thing in your mouth and you stand back and watch yourself talk. <laughs> Well, he just one time said, uh, uh, you know, I have this friend of mine. I want you to meet him, you know, and I never thought of that. So I said, Dad, you know, I've, I've got this friend. I've got many friends, and you never refuse coming to meet one of my friends. Well, this guy's my best friend, and you won't even let him in the door. You tell him to get out. And he didn't know who I was talking about, and I said, and it's Jesus. You know, oh, Oh, him again. <laughs> you know, and he gives it a good shot because he's, he's not somebody who's going, oh, yeah. you know, don't say that. But it sure does eat. I mean, I remember how it was. It eats in your heart and you feel like, get away from me now. Right. I don't need this. Yeah. 
but that's neat to see. Because I like, know that he's like me. Well, you yeah. talked to your mom about how how even the devils know that Jesus God not making him Lord. Did you talk to your dad like that? Just wanted to talk to him. Yeah, well, it was saying, you did you know you're going to hell? Was something that I mean, that was radical. You never think of it. I mean, I didn't in that case. I never thought, you know, I've never flat out said you're going. You're making hell and heaven decisions here, yeah. and you don't know. Yeah, right. and was your dad brought up in church? Uh, not really. It, he was brought up in a church. But I can't remember the name. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of religion. Um, religion gets in the way of your salvation. I know my grandpa and my grandma were born again. It's just they don't, they don't, uh, yeah. wait, I'll say evangelize. Yeah. You know, they got nine kids, and they're the only ones I know for sure are born again. Yeah. Which to me, I never correlated. And, you know, I read articles in the paper because of the, the family was known around the town. They gave all the credit to God to you, which was a new thing for me because I didn't even know you were born again until I read that. You put your grandparents I'm sure they're of the ilk that, you know, well, we did this and they should see this instead of us coming. But anyway, all this is far beyond the... Let me make two applications and we'll go home. We have nothing else. <clears throat> I believe that God has a purpose this meeting. I really do. I am praying for those people that I do not know. I've got about three couples that I am praying in. They are out there and they are in sin. They are saved, but they don't want, they're rebelling or running, whatever they're doing from God. And I am, for everything we're talking about, I am praying them in. We had a, uh, a couple in Osceola that um, started the church down there. They lived on a farm. This guy had a dairy farm. This guy was about 27, 28. And he worked literally 18 to 20 hours a day. His wife saw him when he came in and got in bed around 11 or 12 o'clock that night. And he was up at 3 o'clock in the morning out to milk the cows. And she didn't see him. I mean, it was just consuming. His farm was going under. There were problems. We began praying for Craig and Lisa, and basically what we did, what I did is I said, Now, Lord, I want, I want them, God. I believe it's your will, and we began praying them in. And over a six, eight, ten-month period, something like that, uh, we got to see both of them come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Never will forget, one of the greatest experiences of my life, standing out there in cow manure wearing hip boots in cow manure knee-deep, standing out there with a shovel, shoveling cow manure with this guy telling him about the love of Jesus Christ. And it was a tremendous time. But the point I'm making is this. We prayed them in. Prayed them to the place where that happened. Now I really believe had, had God not led to focus that power upon them, that never would have happened. Now I said that to say this. We've all got people that need to minister to for one reason or another, they're precluded from being ministered to in one place or another. I'm praying this would be a form that God might use. And what I'm doing is I'm praying for certain couples, and I'm also praying for people that I don't know yet. And I'm praying that God will work in His own uh, uh, predetermined will for people that I have never heard of and never met, that God is going to use this ministry in their lives to build them up in Christ. 
people I don't have any idea who they are. And I'm praying that God's power, one of these days you're going to see somebody show up just out of the clip. Mitch is a real good example of this. I mean, we prayed about this thing and I never knew Mitch was alive before. He walked, called the first night and I said, can I come? And you know, when you start ministering and all of a sudden people start showing up and nobody and you don't know where they come from, those things are weird, man, when God starts moving like that. Things are strange. What I'm saying to you is this. Let's take what we've learned tonight and let's begin to make application. Let's claim some folks for God and let's, let's pray them in, man. Let's not rest until we see God's heavenly will on earth. What's God's will for everybody to get saved? What's God's will for every saved person? And to be conformed what? Yeah. To the image of His Son. Okay, and that's what we're trying to do here. That's all we're trying to do. Is see the Word of God teach people to equip the saints. Okay? You need to pray in the minute and focus the power of God. Now let me let me use an illustration about Ezekiel 22, 30. Maybe bring it clear to your mind. It's helped me. And then I'll take any questions and we'll go home. When Ezekiel was there and Jerusalem was taken by Nebuchadnezzar and they were taken off to captivity, there would be sieges. And sometimes there would be years that the invading army would be around about the city uh, and they would cut them off. In fact, if you remember back in Kings and Chronicles, there was even times when the Bible says that they were selling doves dung for food and they were killing their horses and eating their heads and, and, and even in one place the king was on the wall and he saw two women fighting. Uh, he said, well, eat your baby tomorrow or today and tomorrow we'll cook my baby and eat it. I mean, things were so bad there was no water. They were drinking urine. Uh, there was nothing to eat. There was nothing to drink. There was nothing, uh, any anything. They were just cut off and completely isolated. And they just began, uh, attrition was taking its toll on the people inside the wall. And they bring big battering rams to the wall. And the people on top of the wall inside the city would shoot arrows and throw spears. And pretty soon they'd run out of ammunition. Pretty soon you start throwing rocks and, and uh, Coke cans, anything they could find. Uh, on these people trying to stop the prison and run out of things to throw and the outside army would beat on the wall or beat on the gate and pretty soon they would beat a hole in the wall. And what they would do is they would then begin to try and compromise the city by going through that hole in the wall and take possession of the city. And the people inside the city would take their most valiant warrior and they would set him in the hole. And that one man standing in that hole or standing in that gap could hold off single-handedly the entire invading army because they had to come through the hole one man at a time. And the people in Ezekiel's day had just seen Nebuchadnezzar in their lifetime go through this process and they had just seen uh, uh, them compromise the city and they had just seen those armies come through that hole one man at a time. And God uses that analogy and says, Hey, I sought for a man among you that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. God says, I was the invading army coming to destroy the land. And all I looked for was one person that would stand up and stand in that strategic spot and hold me off that I would not destroy the land that I've given to you. And because there was nobody that would stand in that hole and prevent me from destroying the land, therefore I had to consume it with my indignation. I had to bring the fire of my wrath upon my people. 
I had to do the thing that I did not want to do because of your sin. And that's what we need to do. We need to pray that God would make you and I the person that God wants to stand in the gap. Everybody has given us a sphere of influence. In that sphere of influence, God wants to perform His will in their lives. What's God's will? First off, that they should be saved. Secondly, they can form the image of His Son. And that may not be accomplished unless you and I are willing to stand in the gap to make up a hedge before God for the land. Because if it doesn't happen, God's going to destroy that person. God's got to damn that person to a Christless eternity in a lake of fire. And what's, what's it take? It takes somebody who says God's earthly will for that person is to be saved and to be made like Christ. Lord, use me to bring your heavenly will to earth. Show me your thoughts. Say, so how do I do that, Dave? Get on your knees and say, God, who can I pray for? God, who in my life? I don't want you praying for the whole world. I mean, this be this be real. But find one or two or three couples. But you can say, God, I'm not resting until I see them in your word. Until I see myself ministering to them. Lord, save them. Lord, bring them back out of sin, whatever the case might be. But let's, let's not stand before God if he comes tonight with men's blood dripping off our hands because we didn't tell them. Because we were the watchmen in the tower and we didn't blow the trumpet that there was judgment coming. That's God's plan. Prayer is letting God think his thoughts through you. Prayer is the renewing of the mind. Prayer is proving God's will, bringing his heavenly will to earth. Any questions, anything for me to say before we go home? I know God perpetually shows me my lack of prayer in my life. How about you? God perpetually shows me my need. And you know what? That's called reproof. Now, will you and I have the grace, the determination, the discipline it takes to get on our knees every day and call out names before God? Because what house does God give you wisdom after reproof? When that rod comes, it comes when the blood drips off your hands and God requires your soul at your hand. What a day it's going to be, man. What a day. It scares me to think about standing before God one day and having somebody, an acquaintance of mine, stick their bony finger in my face that you never told me. To step off the parapet of heaven into eternity without God and say, you never told me. It scares the fire out of me. I don't know how to handle that. You know all I can do? All I can do is be conscious of the Holy Spirit's leadership in my life. I'm prepared to give every man a, a reason for the hope that's within me. That's all I can do. Give man an answer. Let's pray.
Now, Father, it's been very clear tonight, Lord, your Holy Spirit had something to say tonight, Lord. <clears throat> Lord, I'm really amazed, God, at the way last week and this week's tied right together, Father, how really this week was just a conclusion of last week. Lord God, I pray, Lord, in my own life that you would make me, Father, a prayer warrior, Father, that I might fight those spiritual battles on my knees. Lord, I heard a great man of God say one time, Lord, that soul winning was nothing more than going around and gathering up the answered prayers. And God, I believe that. God, help us have such an effective prayer life, God, that the souls that you give us and the men that you give us to teach and train, Lord, are really nothing more than the answers of prayer that you're providing as you accomplish your heavenly will on earth. Lord, help me and these, my brothers and sisters, Father, to allow you to think your thoughts through us and to conform us. Lord, help us to learn Christ. Help us, Lord, to unlearn the things that this world's taught us. Lord, the Bible says the wisdom of this world is foolishness. And then you said you chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Lord God, help us not to rely on our own worldly wisdom, God, but help us to rely on the wisdom that comes from above that's first peaceable. Lord God, I pray that, Lord, you'll work in our eyes. Put all these pieces together in hearts that we might be conformed more closely to the image of your Son. Now, God, for those that aren't here tonight, Lord, those, God, that you want here, Lord, God, I pray you'll bring them, that you'll draw them, that your Holy Spirit, God, would, would do that work in their lives, that you would use me and these here, Father, to stand in the gap for those people. Lord, well, I remember Charlie and Joanne Yancey in Syracuse, Lord, and I remember the, the Rathbuns, Father, and the Padrottis, Father, and I pray you'll, you'll move in that situation according to your will. Dismiss us now with your blessing. Let your word work effectively in us. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.